I'm Earl Dibbles Jr. I'm a country boy. You're listening to the Lone Star Outdoor Show. I wake up, put a dip in, crack a cold one, put my boots in my overalls on. This is the country boy song. I like to gig frogs, like the good hogs, like to swim in the creek with my bird dog. All right. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Sweet, beautiful Texas. Earl Dibbles Jr. kicking things off for us on Dallas Safari Club's Lone Star Outdoor Show, brought to you by Lone Star Beer and Hoff Power Polaris. I'm your host, Cable Smith. So great to be here with you as we are talking hunting, fishing, the great outdoors, and all that implies. So let's not waste any time. We've got so much to get into this morning and so little time to do it. Only an hour, and it just seems to fly by every weekend. So... Uh, Grab that stool, pull it up a little closer to the campfire here, pour yourself another cup of coffee, black, uh, the way that my grandfather taught me to drink it, and let's get rolling here. Off the top today, we are going to talk some public land hunting opportunity here in the Lone Star State, and we're going to do that with Dave Carter. He's a private land leasing biologist for the National Wild Turkey Federation, and they actually work hand-in-hand with Texas Parks and Wildlife. Uh, trying to recruit new public hunting opportunity here in the Lone Star State. So, uh, and actually, they're they're applying uh, the Texas model uh, to other states throughout the country. So, cool stuff we're going to get into here momentarily with Dave. Is I mean, who doesn't want more public hunting opportunity? Then we'll be joined by two-time Bassmaster Elite Series Angler of the Year and our. Our longtime friend, Mr. Aaron Martins, he's coming off of a first-place finish on Lake Havasu last weekend, uh, earned him a $100,000 paycheck, and we're going to give the bass the bird this morning. That's right. We're going to give him the bird, and we're going to explain what that means here in just a little bit, Uh, but if you don't think that birds are a big part of a largemouth bass's diet, well... Aaron will set the record straight and explain how that pattern helped him win on Lake Havasu. Uh, Then we'll get into some spring bear hunting discussion with Chris McKinnon of McKinnon Outfitters as uh, we're gearing up to head to Alberta, Canada to hunt black bear with uh, Chris coming up here next week. So we'll get into all things spring black bear as I am a complete novice, never hunted bear a day in my life, but uh, we're going to take the Elite Archery E32 up there and try to stick one uh, in a matter of days. I am so pumped. Can't even tell you how excited I am. So anyway, Chris will be here in just a little bit. And then uh, a very special in-studio treat coming up at the bottom of the hour when we are joined by a lifelong upland hunter, conservationist, and Ducks Unlimited 2014-2015 Texas Sponsor Artist of the Year, Van Johnson, uh, my goodness, if you haven't ever seen a Van Johnson painting of a gun dog or duck dog, absolutely amazing. We got one done of Bell recently, and uh, we are excited to have perhaps Texas's finest wildlife artist uh, join us here in studio at the bottom of the hour. So anyway, get ready because it's going to be a good one. We'll be all over the place. Got so much to get into today. A um, couple other things to mention here, though. Don't forget our May Photo of the Month contest is going on right now. We've got a Stealth Cam G30 as this month's grand prize, a pretty awesome trail camera that we've actually got set up on our lease as well. Uh, Incredible photos 
and whoever wins this is going to uh, really get some cool pictures coming up this fall. Uh, so email me your best outdoor photo to Lone Star Outdoors Show at gmail.com, or you can post them right there on our Facebook page as well, and we'll get you entered. And then our 12 monthly winners from 2014 will square off at the end of the year for a chance to join me on a trophy black buck or axis deer hunt down at Coons Canyon Ranch in Rock Springs, Texas, one of my favorite places to hunt in all of the great Lone Star State. So pretty sweet grand prize hunt package that one of you guys or gals is going to get to join me on. Let's see here. What else? What else? Uh, let's go ahead and do a quick giveaway. I've got a cool combo prize pack here. We had William Clark Green in studio a couple weeks ago. I've got his latest record, uh, autograph copy of it, actually, Ringling Road. We'll give this away, and actually we'll throw in a Lone Star Outdoors Show sticker and a Lone Star Beer Koozie uh, to the third person to text in the word Texas. That's Texas to 214-289-7807. Text in the word Texas to 214-289-7807. We'll hook you up with William Clark Green's latest record, a Lone Star Outdoors Show sticker, and a Lone Star Beer Koozie. Uh, let's knock out a quick break. When we come back, we'll explain how the National Wild Turkey Federation is working hard to increase your public hunting opportunity. Up next, only on DSC's Lone Star Outdoor Show. I'm gonna be there Sunday morning. Smell the sheets on the line. Wash down grandma's cooking with some homemade apple shine. Cable Smith here with my good friend Craig Smith, owner of GameGuard Outdoors. And you know, Craig, GameGuard Camouflage has been concealing Texas hunters for over a decade now. And this fall, we're equally as excited about the brand new and revolutionary Gulf Coast Cooler, uh, the first modular cooler system ever to hit the market. Yeah, Cable, we're excited about it. It truly is a modular system. And now a guy doesn't have to have three or four different coolers. He can have one cooler that he can attach another one to it. We have wheel wheel attachments that snap onto the cooler to get it to and from the boat and with a lot more attachments to follow this season. Well, we're certainly looking forward to using ours in the field this fall. And Cable, we want to we thank our customers again. This is our 11th season and, and uh, things just keep getting better and we appreciate every one of them. Well, we appreciate you, Craig. And for more information, y'all visit gulfcoastcooler.com. Hi, I'm Craig Boddington. I'd like to invite you to become a member of Dallas Safari Club, one of the world's leading hunting and conservation organizations. As a member, you'll receive Game Trails Magazine, a monthly newsletter, and invitations to our monthly meetings and special activities. Join Dallas Safari Club, an international organization based in Dallas, supporting hunting and conservation worldwide. For more information, call 800-9-GO-HUNT or visit our website at www.biggame.org. BioBore EB is the premier gasoline additive that combats the negative effects ethanol has on an engine. Its comprehensive formula is designed to protect marine engines and marine environments, yet also works great in all two- and four-stroke engines. It prevents phase separation and ethanol-related engine problems while stabilizing fuel for 18 months. BioBore's detergents also clean the entire fuel system of carbon and varnishes. BioBore EB has the best treat rate in the industry. One ounce treats an amazing 15 gallons of gas. Available at your local sporting goods store or visit BioBore.com today. Hey, North Texas sports fans, this is Brian Spagnola, General Manager of Texas Motor Cars in Addison. My family's been in the car business for over 50 years, and I want to show you the difference in buying from a family-owned and operated business. TexasMotorCars.com is an awesome website that lets you do virtually all of your shopping online. 
We have a professional photographer that takes amazing photos, and we give you all the information that you'll need up front. You can even find out how much we will give you for your trade-in before you ever come in. I take pride in the fact you can come in, choose a car, and be out in less than an hour. We have financing rates starting at 1.79% on pre-owned vehicles and can help almost anybody. Please do yourself a favor. If you're in the market for a pre-owned vehicle of any kind, give us a shot. Let me show you how easy buying a vehicle should be. Visit TexasMotorCars.com or come visit our 20,000-square-foot indoor showroom in Addison. Again, visit TexasMotorCars.com or call us at 1-888-9-TX-MOTORS. My daddy saw the moon and heard the sound of the stream. It called out his name and it called his son's name and I love the feeling when I go out Dancing with the woman All right, Cable Smith, welcome everybody back to Dallas Safari Club's Lone Star Outdoors show presented by Lone Star Beer and Hoff Power Polaris. A little whiskey town for you as we get things rolling this morning. And uh, actually, we're set to discuss public land hunting in Texas, well, not just in Texas, actually, but uh, all over the United States, as the National Wild Turkey Federation is uh, actively trying to lease land for increased public hunting opportunity. They're working with Texas Parks and Wildlife here in the Lone Star State, and we'll get into that momentarily. But first, this segment proudly brought to you by Lone Star Ag Credit, who since 1917 has assured its borrowers competitive interest rates on real estate loans, rural home loans, livestock, and farm and ranch loans. Visit LoneStarAgCredit.com to let them help you finance your piece of Texas. Uh, Well, like I said, uh, let's talk some land acquisition and get into how the National Wild Turkey Federation is uh, seeking to increase public hunting opportunity. It's my pleasure to welcome NWTF private land leasing biologist David Carter to the show. Hey, great to be here. I'm uh, I'm, I'm glad to be able to get the opportunity to, to talk with y'all. Hey, it's great to have you with us, David. I guess, first of all, tell us a little bit about what you do as a private land leasing biologist for the NWTF and uh, and why you sought us out for an interview. Well, uh, as you mentioned, I, I, I basically my job consists of looking for privately owned land uh, that I can lease for the state for Texas Parks and Wildlife's annual public hunting program. Uh, and, and basically, what that is is we're we're you know like it sounds, it's pretty simple. You know, we're looking for land that we can lease for for public to be able to go hunt on. Um, I do work for National Wild Turkey Federation, uh, but unfortunately, a lot of people get the the idea that we're just trying to lease for turkeys, but actually being in conjunction with Texas Parks and Wildlife, we lease for any and all legal game species in the state from dove, deer, quail, turkey, you know, fishing rights, uh, river access for kayak, canoe type things. You know, we, we pretty well can do just about anything we can try to dream up as far as public hunting, fishing, and, and just land access. Okay, yeah, and I don't think a lot of folks realize how closely the NWTF uh, works with Texas Parks and Wildlife to provide these opportunities. We're really trying to push. Uh, NWTF is kind of trying and in, in using the model that Parks and Wildlife has had set up for years now with, with all of their public hunting. I mean, Parks and Wildlife offers almost 1.1 million acres of state accessible hunting and fishing land across the state. I mean, that's a huge, 
huge, you know, chunk of land. Obviously, it's not all contiguous. It's spread out literally from one side of the state to the other. But they're trying to use this program to start developing actually in other states similar programs to be able to get the public basically more education and more access, you know, to hunting and fishing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, hunter recruitment, fishing recruitment, that type of deal for the younger generation. You know, they've got a, a huge youth program. All these types of things, you know, tie back into basically giving people places to go, you know, to hunt and fish. Unfortunately, or fortunately, it's gotten competitive and, and, you know, the prices for leases have have always, you know, gone up. And rightfully so, you know, more management-minded people, you know, they've got a little more to offer. And so it gets harder for some people to be able to go have a place to hunt. And so we're, we're really trying to get out there and push to try to find some more quality places you know, for people to be able to do that for, you know, $48 a year. And they, they've got access to, again, almost one, little over 1 million acres all over the state. Yeah. And like you said, uh, lease prices are ridiculous these days. Uh, and, you know, and when I was in college, $48 for the annual public hunting permit seemed like a lot of money, but my goodness, that was a sweet deal compared to, uh, you know, uh, the going rate for a deer lease. But uh, I'm amazed at how many folks uh, still don't realize that that opportunity is out there. For instance, we had a very popular Texas country singer-songwriter in studio a couple weeks ago. And uh, I guess he's always had family land to hunt on. And I won't throw him under the bus, but uh, it was William Clark Green. But anyway, he uh, he doesn't like getting up early, and he's had family land. So he told me, he's like, yeah, man, I don't know how these duck hunters do it. He's like... I like to sleep in and go out, throw out a couple decoys, you know, uh, maybe do an evening hunt. But he's like, my buddy, he gets up at 2.30 in the morning, winches his boat over a levee, fights all these other hunters, and he hunts this lake called Type 2. It's, uh, yeah, it's this great duck hunting lake. I think the name of the lake's Type 2. And I was just like, <laughs> you know, uh, that's, you know, it cracked me up. Yeah, it's, it's right outside of Dallas. It's called Type 2 Lake. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and that, you know, we run into that daily of, bringing up the topic of, of obviously what we do leasing for uh, the type two lands or what I believe they're now kind of transitioning over to the annual public hunting, the APH lands that, that people just, that are not even aware that the this, this stuff exists. And, you know, basically to kind of, kind of break it down when you buy the, the annual public hunting permit, you can buy it. I believe anywhere you can buy a hunting license. It's $48 a year. Mm-hmm. They give you a map booklet that has a map of every property across the state that you can go look at. You see what's available there to hunt, when it's available to hunt, how to get to it, where you can park, you know, any special regulations on it as far as species or, or, you know, legal methods of taking the animals. And it'll show you that as well as you can go back in on the Texas Parks and Wildlife website and look at past year's harvest rates, you know, you can see, okay, I want to go to, to property X over here in, in Hill County and hunt dove. Well, let me see if it was any good last year before I drive over there. And if you can see why, well, hey, you know, these guys were averaging nine birds per hunter, you know, per trip, that's, you know, that's not a bad hunt. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's something I would obviously drive over to, or you can look and see, you know, those types of information where you can kind of do a little research and homework on it if you want before you go there and you don't you don't just show up blind so to speak you know, you've got a map of everything and and all the property locations so it's it's a really great program um, you know and, and we're just we're really trying to get the word out there to more people that, that 
this exists, you know, to try to get more people to use it. Yeah. Well, and I think a lot of, uh, a lot of the, or I guess the lack of, of information, people that people don't realize this opportunity exists is because Texas is, you know, for so long, you know, we've kind of been known as a state that's 98% privately owned or whatever it is. So that, that, uh, that concept of public hunting land, it's, it's a lot different than some of those Western states out there that have vast, exactly. you know, uh, expanses of public hunting opportunity. Uh, but the opportunity is here in Texas and, and, uh, you know, Texas parks and wildlife trust you to go out there and recruit more land. So I know, uh, part of your message today is, you know, if you're a landowner out there, uh, obviously you'd like to hear from them if they're, they're interested in working with you and there's a lot of benefit for them to do so. Exactly. And that's, that's, that's one of the things, you know, that, that usually, one of the first few questions that I'm always asked is, you know, well, why, why should I basically lease it to you as opposed to, you know, a group of guys or, you know, whatever it may be. And, and, you know, we've, we've really tried to beef up the program. Uh, we do pay, you know, competitive rates per acre. Um, the, some of the benefits, obviously, you know, Hey, it's always extra income for the land owner and, and you know, who doesn't need a little extra money. Mm-hmm. Um, again, trying to pay competitive rates, the other thing that we really can benefit is we can basically custom fit the lease to the landowner. You know, a lot of the, a lot of the leases that, that we do are dove leases. Um, so, you know, if you've got a landowner that he's, he is leasing out to somebody else, you know, for the deer and the turkey and, and the pigs or whatever, he can lease to us for September and October or September just for the dove part of it. You know, we've got the lease for 30 days and then, we're so to speak out of there to where we're not going to affect anything with his other, you know, if he's running day hunts or if he, you know, if he's leasing out to a group of guys or whatever. Or hunting hunting himself. Yeah. If he just got family hunting or just doesn't want the guys out there for three, four months at a time or or like some of the year round leases, you know, it can be a very limited set time. What about uh, improving their habitat as well? I mean, will Texas Parks and Wildlife send a biologist out there that they can work with or? We do that as well, and that's that's one of the other incentives, obviously, is we can either get them in touch with the Texas Parks and Wildlife biologists that are in their area uh, to give recommendations on habitat improvement. We can do that as well. Um, some of the other things that are available through VPA, federal monies, state monies, uh, for habitat improvement to the landowner themselves, it may be, you know, say, like I said, we've got, we've got landowner Bob over here that's got some land that, that we're going to do some dove on, but it's just choked up with cedar, and we're going to pay him $6 an acre for it. Mm-hmm. If we say, well, hey, Bob, if you come in, remove this cedar, you know, we'll we'll bump it up to $9 an acre, or 10, you know, as an incentive type of a program, or we can do even some cost share type of things with that as well, depending on what the situation is, or it may also be you know, hey, you've got a great wheat sunflower field in here. Um, you know, leave a 20-yard buffer strip of of the sunflowers and the wheat when you when you come through and harvest. Leave that until the end of October, and we'll you know we can bump up the rate uh, for that. So it kind of gives them a little incentive. Mm-hmm. It it definitely you know has a lot of benefits to the landowner in that aspect. The other other question I get a lot as well is well, does the state control my land if I lease this? The landowner still controls their property. They still have 100% control. Nobody's going to take anything away from them as far as that goes either. 
Well, let me ask you this. Is we, we just kind of got to wrap things up here, but I, I do want to ask you because people are going to want to know what funds this. Is it uh, Pittman-Robertson dollars or, you know, um, NWTF grants? I, I imagine, you know, Texas Parks and Wildlife, obviously, uh, you guys aren't just going to be footing the bill for this. So where, where do those funds come from as far as leasing these private lands? It, it comes from a, a, a wide variety of places. As you mentioned, Pittman-Robertson, NWTF. Uh, the VPA funds coming down through NRCS, you know, that are federally originated, uh, that basically are set aside and, and come through for these types of programs uh, for public use and access. Um, so it's it's not like all the money's coming from one particular location. Mm-hmm. It's it's different grants and funds that are kind of pooled together, and then some of those are allocated towards. You know, inland fisheries, some of them are in, you know, upland bird management, some of them are migratory bird management that go more into wetland or, or dove projects. Um, well, so everything not, that you've said there is, I mean, those are all dollars that would have been raised by hunters. Um, yes. So yes. it's going back on the ground, giving hunters more opportunity. You know, that's just, uh, it's just more proof that, that hunting really is conservation because. That's what's going on here. These lands, you know, if they are being leased for hunting, well, you know, they're certainly uh, not putting subdivisions there or building, a, you know, another Walmart or whatever. Uh, and so we're keeping, you know, we're keeping these these lands uh, that we all, you know, view as sacred and and a big part of our 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 life and our and our pastime. Uh, we're keeping them as they are, and hopefully, uh, we'll make sure that those opportunities are there for future generations. Absolutely, and that's you know one of the big things, you know. NWTF is trying to step up and, and really boost the, the increasing of the acreage every year for for a lot of the reasons you just mentioned, you know, just to really keep that out there to where, you know, kids and grandkids down the road are still going to be able to have these types of places to go and, and enjoy the outdoors, whether it's hunting, fishing, camping, kayaking, you know, whatever it may be. But that's basically what it is. You know, these are hunting and fishing dollars going back into providing hunting and fishing access. Well, it's certainly a great program, David. Um, real quick, if you want to give us your contact info, if there's a landowner out there who uh, would like to get in touch with you about leasing his land uh, to Texas Parks and Wildlife, go ahead and give that to us. A lot of the U.S. is looking at Texas here for the model uh, on how to do these types of programs. So mm-hmm. we're we're really really excited to be kind of on the forefront of it. They can call me at uh, area code two five four four three four one two or they can send me an email at dcarter at nwtf.net. Perfect. Well, hey, David, we appreciate you reaching out. Thanks for all that you and the NWTF does in in working with Texas Parks and Wildlife here. Uh, All the hunters and anglers out there certainly appreciate it. Hey, I appreciate you having us. And like I say, getting the word out there to the the great state of Texas and all the hunters and fishermen that are out there. Take care, brother. Uh, You too. Thank you. All right, there he goes, NWTF private land leasing biologist for Texas Parks and Wildlife. Uh, It's cool to see that NWTF is so plugged in with TPWD. Uh, Anyway, that was David Carter. And uh, by the way, I I encourage everyone to check out the NWTF. If uh, you want to get plugged in with a pretty cool conservation organization, they are passionate about not just wild turkey, but when they tackle a project, all the wildlife benefits from deer to quail, turkey, you name it. Uh, so anyway, check it out, nwtf.org. Get plugged in with the local chapter. We've got a ton of them here in Texas. It's a great organization.
That segment, by the way, was proudly brought to you by For Everlast, a Texas-based and family-owned outdoor company. They've got a full lineup of unique outdoor products uh, to benefit the outdoorsman or woman out there. I encourage you to check out their full lineup by visiting foreverlast.com. Foreverlast, where we live hunting and fishing. Uh, let's knock out a quick break. When we come back, we're going to give the bass the bird, so to speak, <laughs> as we check in with two-time Elite Series Angler of the Year, Aaron Martins. We'll explain exactly what we mean there coming up only on DSC's Lone Star Outdoor Show. Cable Smith here for Deerview Windows. As a whitetail hunter, nothing is more frustrating than poor visibility in a deer blind. It can flat ruin a hunt. At Deerview Window Company, they manufacture windows solely for the use in deer stand and deer blinds. All of their windows and doors can be custom made to fit your specific openings. Or you can select from standard sizes from hinged windows to sliding windows and everything in between. Visit DeerviewWindows.com to determine which style window is best for your deer blind. Plus, you'll get a free quote. Deerview Windows, where visibility matters. Hey y'all, Cable Smith here, and you know how much I love our Texas lakes, but what I've found recently is that Dallas water supply lakes are way down because of the high demand for water combined with the current drought cycle. That's why you have to take a look at the brand new Eagle Shores at Lake Bob Sandlin. Lake Bob Sandlin is actually full, and Eagle Shores has 2.74 acre dockable home sites at 79.9 this weekend only. Call 877-9-Lakeside to schedule a visit. That's 877-9-Lakeside, or go to eagleshoresTexas.com. Rockwall Gun Club is North Texas' premier shooting facility, offering both indoor and outdoor ranges, including a unique 500-yard rifle range. If shotgunning's your thing, then check out the 18-station clay course. Opening summer 2014, Rockwall Gun Club is offering special introductory, family, and corporate membership rates for founding members. Located at 15950 State Highway 205, you can also visit rockwallgunclub.com or call 972-215-6902. Rockwall Gun Club, the private shooting experience. At Frost, we could talk to you about our 24-7 online banking. Or we could talk to you about our more than 1,100 ATMs across Texas. We can even talk to you about our mobile banking app that lets you pay bills, transfer funds, and deposit checks from anywhere. But at the end of the day, there's nothing we enjoy more than to just talk to you. Thank you for calling Frost. How may I help you? We're here with the technology and convenience you want and the service you deserve. Frost. Banking. Investments. Insurance. Larson Electronics is a Texas-based lighting company that's been outfitting the United States military since the 1960s. And while they continue to support our troops, they also now have over 200 lights ideal for your hunting and fishing needs. Like the 35-watt HID camouflage Go Light Striker with remote that's 15 million candle power in the palm of your hand. Ideal for predator and hog hunting, they also have remote-controlled floodlights, feeder lights, and LED boat lights. Visit LarsonElectronics.com and go Texan with Larson Electronics for all your lighting needs. Hi, I'm Jim Shockey, and you're listening to Lone Star Outdoor Show. Well, down the road I go, forever onward I know, forever onward I'll go, forever searching. Little Mike McClure bringing us back on yes, Dallas Fire Club's Lone Star Outdoor Show, presented by Lone Star Beer and our Polaris Cable Smith here. Uh, thanks for joining me today as we are about to talk some bass fishing with 
two-time Elite Series Angler of the Year, Aaron Martins. Uh, but before we do that, this segment is proudly brought to you by Rudy's True Texas-style barbecue and Lone Star Beer, the national beer of Texas. Grab a 12-pack on your way to the lake this fall and celebrate tight lines and full stringers with an ice-cold Lone Star Beer. Lone Star Beer, the national beer of Texas. Uh, well, our next guest, like we said, he's a two-time Bassmaster Elite Series Angler of the Year. He's also a regular on our favorite show, Major League Fishing, and he's coming off a big win on Lake Havasu and a $100,000 paid check last weekend. Uh, he actually won the tournament on a very unique pattern, which we will get into here. It's my pleasure to welcome Aaron Martins back to the show. Uh, great to be here. Man, uh, how's it going? It's going great. It's, we're doing great. Not probably not as uh, as well as you are after your win last week on Lake Havasu. A nice yeah. uh, nice paycheck there. It makes the it makes the sixty five hours of driving a lot easier. <laughs> Coming back is definitely easier. Yeah. Well, now, so where are you headed next? I'm headed. I'm going home to see. I get home to see the family. You know, even if it's twelve hours past where I need to be back, it's an extra twenty four hours driving this next week. But yeah, it's worth it home to see everybody. Now and where's home again? Home down uh, Birmingham area. It's uh, Leeds, Alabama. Uh -huh. where, uh, just east, just east of downtown, about 15 minutes. Right. I thought you were originally from what the West Coast area. Is that right? Yeah, I grew up in the uh, I guess the north end of the valley, San Fernando Valley. Uh huh. Well, it seems like a lot That's of you guys, uh, y'all make the the move to more of a you know a central location, uh, just due to all the traveling. Yeah, that's all it is. It's just you know being. Being able to come home or get anywhere for, uh, you know, normally it's less than a one-day drive to get anywhere. Yeah. Except for the West Coast. So, yeah, it's a, it's, I wanted to be centrally located in Alabama. It's really nice. People are nice. The weather is decent. It gets a little humid. But. Well, um, and after this past week, you moved into third place in the coveted Angler of the Year standing, something that uh, you've already accomplished uh, in your career. I know that uh, that has to feel good to be, you know, poised right there at the, you know, top of the standings yeah you always win angler of the year i, I actually got two but I, yeah, once you get two you get kind of greedy you want a third one yeah yeah it. well see you wanted um, you, uh, your most recent one was what 2012 11 i think or so i forget it was something like that right i, I, don't, I don't remember dates <laughs> it, it was it was too long ago <laughs> no it wasn't that long ago but it'd be nice to win another one yeah they get three of those things would be would be phenomenal Oh yeah, that would put you in some pretty elite company too. So it's always been a goal of mine growing up. It was, it was always even when I fished sub tournaments and you know at the beginning, I always wanted to get into the year. To me, that was the hardest thing to get. But yeah, it kind of proves consistency, and that's kind of I think what everybody wants more than anything is into the year. Yeah, no doubt, no you're doubt. You're accomplishing something against these guys for sure. Oh, and it just keeps getting you know the competition keeps getting better. Guys like Brent. Ailer coming over from the FLW tour. Um, uh, a lot of a lot of the best anglers have come over already. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah. the best. Yeah. Well. Um, yeah, at least, at least for stuff, there's no doubt. Yeah. Well, you you know the pattern that you got on uh, during the tournament on Havasu allowed you to bring in a day four weight of 19 pounds four ounces, nearly four pounds better than uh, the next heaviest five fish sack. Uh, so. Talk about basically, you know, you're giving the bass the bird, so to speak, and uh, and I think a lot of people probably 
don't know that pattern exists and probably don't take you seriously when you tell them about it. Yeah, I mean, they blew that proportion as, as part of my pattern. I mean, those fish were feeding heavily on crawdads, and some of the reefs I was fishing were different, and I kind of knew what to look for. And the birds that happened to be in a lot of those reefs, and, uh, and they were definitely opportunists. They eat anything they can put in their mouth, you know, turtles, to small animals, you know, rats, mice, whatever, rabbits. Birds are definitely up there. It's one of their favorites, probably. I've always known they've eaten birds. Growing up in California, you you see it sometimes happen, or you, so. I mean, I know they eat them, and, and I have it to, you know, I was, I was catching a lot of good quality fish, but it seemed like a lot of birds were nesting. I when I got bit, they're always like really big ones. I caught four big ones out of there. Uh-huh. And there's the other spots I had. It may have been the same way. I caught some good ones out, but I had some spots I probably could have ran off and caught some three pounders and you know got a 14, 15 pound bag. But the third day of the tournament, I caught four and a half doing that, and that's the one that had well released feathers in my live wall because I, I saw a bunch of stuff in there in the morning. I didn't pay attention to it yet. The next morning, I opened my live wall just to kind of check it out, make sure it was clean because you want to keep all the crawdad pieces out. And uh, there was just a bunch of feathers in my life, like it was full of feathers. Huh. That kind of confirmed that, well, you know, I was a big fish, and it's probably kind of hanging around, you know, it's eating crawdads here and there, but it's really looking for the birds. And they're probably hatching, because I've seen a lot of nests with babies in them. I was like, oh, man, that's just a no-brainer. So I kind of really picked the area apart and ended up getting uh, three the next day, and they're, all three of them were like four and a half pounds plus. Wow. Wow. And one of them, I, I, didn't, I should have said some on TV. I, didn't, I was kind of thinking maybe I shouldn't talk about it, but now it's out. <laughs> uh, the 413 I caught had a big knot in its stomach. Like a round, it was a round ball. It wasn't a crawdad, it wasn't a fish. Uh-huh. And I'm pretty sure it was probably like another, maybe a, you know, a, a good sized bird. Wow. So there, I mean, it was just something that kind of like keep me off. Of, you know, I didn't get that many bites back there. It was really, really hard to get into. It was a jungle. It was real thick. So it was, it was you know, bass, and it was a lot of work getting the bait into it, and getting the bait out was even more work. So I basically picked about the hardest thing I could have done in bass fishing, and went after it, and, and it was a, the prize was sweet. I'd be able to get four out of three of those big ones, you know, hook them and get them out of there and get them in the boat was was unbelievably gratifying. Oh, yeah. Um, These are blackbirds, and, and I know red-winged blackbirds here in Texas, they nest in, in the reeds. Yeah, yeah, these were like yellow, yellow, I mean, they had yellow on them, and uh-huh. kind of orange yellow, and they had, uh, they're, the adults were pretty big. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's all kinds of, there's all kinds of birds up there. I mean, like, like the coots, I saw, you know, I saw a lot of nests, coots, uh, coots with nests, and they had, uh, half of them had eggs, and half of them had babies. I even saw a little baby about the size of a golf ball jump in the water, and I was like, yeah, it kind of was on the edge of the nest, and kind of in the water a little bit, I was like, oh my God. <laughs> I was kind of I was kind of watching it. <laughs> I mean, that would be. I mean, if a bass was around, that would have been gone. Uh-huh. I mean, a heart. Talk about, you know, the bait that you used. Uh, you know, I wasn't. Uh, yeah, that, they said I wasn't trying to mimic the blackbird. Yeah. I mean, if the fish were eating more crawdads than anything, so I mean, I could maybe throw in a black uh, punch gear with a black crawl on there or something. And it probably worked. Would have worked the same, or even maybe a little better. But they were eating the green pumpkins for me so good. I didn't want to change. Uh-huh. As it really resembled the crawdad perfectly when I was growing them, and they and they were they were pooping them out, and they were in my libel every day. I had to clean my libels out every day. There's like a pile, like a small cup of shells and stuff at the bottom, like all crawdad, you know, orange and brown, uh-huh. kind of green. So I, I just stuck with what I was growing. They were eating it so good. Uh-huh. 
just, it was just getting in front of one without hooking it. Uh, it was just kind of a, kind of want to drop it kind of natural, so you kind of want to make a little bit of noise. There is kind of trick. If you do it wrong, you're probably going to start a little fish and it won't bite. Well, so you basically just use the, you know, the black, the, the bird pattern kind of as a barometer to where, hey, these fish are eating these birds, so I'm going to go back to this area because I know there's, there's nests and there's probably yeah, bass there. probably a big bass there. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. Yeah. My first bite confirmed that. My first bite was a solid four or whatever it was, four or something. And, and at that point, I was just really determined to get some more bites. I knew if I could get some more bites, this would be the way to win it. And it actually worked. It's awesome. It finally worked like perfectly. It, everything has to go flawlessly, and it really did. I mean, I, I started off kind of light. I, I wanted to catch 20 the first day, but... You know, I think Edwin, Ed, me and Edwin were sharing water the whole tournament, and I, he beat me to the punch on that one. I started on bedfish and got there much later, and Gary picked off a lot of, the, I think, a lot of the easy ones. But there was a bunch of fours there, and that's how I got that big bag. There, I mean, he played it smarter. I, I just didn't think anybody else found it, because I didn't think anybody fish it. But mm-hmm. Edwin, uh, Edwin was definitely, uh, we were definitely sharing it together. So we uh, we both did really well. And I just got fortunate the last day and gone to, uh, on something a little different, and that's kind of what you need to do at those lakes. You need to kind of, kind of do something different sometimes. Whether it was the uh, the the feathers in the live well, or you know, just your intuition and just being—I mean, being aware of your surroundings—is you know a huge part of being a successful angler and realizing that springtime these birds are nesting and hey, the bass are probably feeding on anyone that you know is unfortunate enough to fall out. Um, whatever the case, you know, it, it played into you winning the tournament, uh, a nice $100,000 paycheck, like we said, moved you into third place in the uh, Angler of the Year standings. A heck of an accomplishment. I know it always feels good to win one. It does, it does. Well, hey, just uh, changing gears here real quick, one of our favorite, well, actually our favorite fishing show is Major League Fishing. Uh, we we partnered yeah, with those wow. guys and, and uh, really enjoy the show. And and they, that show gives a lot more insight into, you know, the anglers. You kind of get to know them a little bit better. And so everyone talks about what a fitness freak you are and how much you run. So I did want to ask you about how many miles do you, do you say you, you run on average every week? Uh, I like to run 30, but I haven't ran in two weeks. Well. Uh, just wait. <laughs> um, but I like to run 30. Uh, I feel good with 20. Anything less than 20, I don't. I'm not very, I'm not happy about it. I mean, I just know there's sometimes just, I can't get more than 12 miles in a week. So I'm, I'm fortunate to get 12 miles a week during tournaments. Mm-hmm. But these, this time of year, the long days and, and the, the amount of work you have to do to prepare is just no time. But I still eat really healthy. I mean, I eat, you know, I eat a lot of fresh food. Uh, I eat meat and I eat pretty much everything. I just eat all natural stuff. And it, Large mouth? That's helps. Yeah, I do eat occasional bass, but it has to be a, it has to be a clean body of water. Oh, no, we'll have to edit this part out. People are going to freak out. No, <laughs> no, I, we should talk about that because, I mean, obviously was better, and, and there's a lot of people that are taking them out um, that are finding out how good the lake is by the FLW tournaments. And, the, and I've heard a lot of guys are shad fishing in the summer and they're keeping them. And a lot of locals are saying how 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 a lot of the smallmouth are gone for the last two years. But a lot of the shad fishermen are catching stripers and smallies and they're keeping them. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was a tremendous uh, like population of smallies in there like five years ago. Uh, it is important to, I, I think it's always important to let the big ones go. I've always, since I was a kid, I never, a trout or a bass, if I got a, like an odd size one, like a big one, I would never kill it. I was always let, let them go. Even when I was five years old, six, seven years old, fishing my brothers, I always 
I always wanted to let the big fish go. I always thought yeah. that was important. Oh, yeah. And it's very important. It's more important than a lot of people think. Um, but if we can get people to do that, uh, our fishery could be... I mean, habits has been good now, but, you know, it's, it's fragile. It's a fragile fishery. It doesn't have a big population in it. So if, if it gets out and then the wrong kind of people go there and kind of poach it, it, it can really hurt it quickly, mm-hmm. uh, a lot quicker in our lakes out here. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and, and I, I'm, I'm, saying, I'm saying poaching. I know it's a strong word, but uh, there are creel limits. I don't know if a lot of people know that, but you're not supposed to keep that many fish over your limit in the freezer. Yeah. Like, you're, there's a limit. And I know a lot of people go over it. I've seen it with my own eyes dozens of times over the years. Uh, I've seen 300 pounds of bass in a freezer, and it's like, from one season, it's like, <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's really illegal. <laughs> well, you know it's the thing is, uh, taking a couple out is always nice. The smaller ones, uh, and oh, yeah. and I don't do it. And I'll be honest with you, I don't ever do it on public water because you know I just put everything back. But uh, if you get to yeah. a farm pond or something, you need to be taking out the smaller ones so that you have a more healthy fishery. Because what happens is you end up with a bunch of one to two pound stunted fish, yeah. yeah, and no big ones. So kind of like, yeah. like almost, uh, that's what happens. That's what happens to take a lot of fish out to mm-hmm. get a stunted a stunted population. Those big fish keep a lot of things in check. Uh, they're really important to the fisheries. Kind of like sharks are in the ocean. Yeah. Uh, the large bass are, are are major predators, and you take all those out, and nothing can control other other things that can take over. So it's very wow. important. I always let the big ones go. Anything over three pounds, really, I would never even consider keeping. But I did want to say last thing. Congrats on making it to the final uh, six anglers in the championship round of the Shell Rotella Cup, uh, Major League Fishing. And that uh, two-hour championship will air on Outdoor Channel here this weekend. So I encourage everybody to check that out because uh, there's only six of you guys, and it's going to get uh, up close and personal. I know, I know it's going to be exciting. And though, oh my gosh, the, the, the way that you qualified for the championship was one of the most exciting things I've seen on Major League Fishing. That always is. Yeah. Well, hey man. But also, also I wanted, I wanted to put out Bass Fest Magazine, the official magazine of uh, MLF now, and they. They have a lot of personal stories and a lot of anglers. It's kind of a, it's a really interesting magazine. But if people see that, best they go buy an issue and check it out. It's uh, a really neat magazine. Oh, yeah, it's a great publication, uh, lots of insight, just like you get on Major League Fishing. Uh, Aaron, congrats again on the win on Lake Havasu. Uh, folks can find you at AaronMartins.com. Also, uh, you're on Facebook as well, so they can uh, check you out there. Thanks again for your time today, man, and we certainly are pulling for you. hope you make it a hat trick and get that third Angler of the Year title here in 2015. Uh, thank you. That's the goal. Hey, thanks, Aaron. We'll do it again soon, man. All right. Thank you, all right, there he goes. I'm telling you, what a nice guy uh, Aaron Martins is. It's always a treat to uh, talk big bass with him. That segment, by the way, proudly brought to you by Sendero Seed Company, Texas' premier seed company. They've got anything and everything you need to keep your whitetail herd happy and healthy, including the Dr. Deer-backed Buckforge Oats. Check them out at SenderoSeed.com or call Rob Hughes at one 610 seed today Let's knock out a quick break. Uh, when we come back, let's see, what are we doing next? Oh, yeah, black bear hunting. We're about to embark on our first ever black bear hunt all the way up in Alberta, Canada, and we'll be joined by the outfitter that we'll be hunting with, Chris McKinnon of McKinnon Outfitters. And so uh, we'll talk all things black bear hunting up next only on DSC's Lone Star Outdoors show. The wise men will bow down before the throne. And at his feet, they'll cast their golden crowns. 
when the man comes around. Our rights as Texas property owners and sportsmen are under attack by those seeking to divide our community and destroy our way of life. Thousands of Texas families enjoy the precious rights to hunt and manage their wildlife resources. No one person or group should force their viewpoint on you. We have the freedom of choice as the law allows. We must stand together. Texas Deer Association protects the future of our hunting heritage. We are the Texas Deer Association. Join us in saying no to those who seek to divide us. For more information, visit TexasDeerAssociation.com. Hey y'all, Cable Smith here, and you know how much I love our Texas lakes, but what I've found recently is that Dallas water supply lakes are way down because of the high demand for water combined with the current drought cycle. That's why you have to take a look at the brand new Eagle Shores at Lake Bob Sandlin. Lake Bob Sandlin is actually full, and Eagle Shores has 2.74 acre dockable home sites at 79.9 this weekend only. Call 877-9-Lakeside to schedule a visit. That's 877-9-Lakeside, or go to EagleShoresTexas.com. Whitetail season has come and gone, y'all, but that doesn't mean it's time to stop hunting. Coons Canyon Ranch in Rock Springs, Texas, specializes in exotics such as axis deer and black buck. Coons Canyon offers quality animals at a price the working man can afford. Military personnel, police, and firefighters get 10% off the total price. Lodging is available upon request, as are other exotic species. Visit CoonsCanyonRanch.com for your next exotic trophy hunt. That's CoonsCanyonRanch.com. At LSC Trailer Sales, we offer a full line of utility trailers from small single axle trailers to heavy equipment trailers, ATV trailers, car haulers, landscape trailers, cargo trailers, truck beds, and more. We can special order a custom trailer specific to your needs and have the ability to customize standard models in-house. LSC Trailer Sales is here to assist you with any questions you might have about trailers. Call 940-484-5500 or visit us at lsctrailersales.com. Finally, quality trailers at affordable prices in Dallas-Fort Worth. Are you looking for the perfect place to send your hunting buddy? Then check out Tioga Retrievers. With over 20 years experience, Angie and Tim Becker can provide you with a field champion or a well-rounded hunting companion. Tioga Retrievers takes pride in catering to the needs of each owner and their dog. Conveniently located 45 miles north of DFW in Aubrey, Texas, Tioga Retrievers also offers day training and boarding. Call 940-440-0018 or visit them online at www.tiogaretrievers.com. That's T-I-O-G-A retrievers.com. Hi, this is Fred Eichler with Easton Bowhunting and Predator Nation. Thanks for listening to the Lone Star Outdoor Show. September in the Rockies, the bull elk bugles ring. Their sounds fill the canyons just like they're trying to sing. Fall winds blow in winter and the snow's falling deep. It's time. Ridge Fire's name of that one there from Dave Watson, bringing us back on DSC's Lone Star Outdoor Show, presented by Lone Star Beer and Hoff Power Polaris. I'm your host, Cable Smith. Uh, thank you so much for being here with me. I do appreciate it, as we are about to get into a little black bear discussion, as uh, we're about to embark on our first ever black bear hunt coming up here, uh, actually next week. Uh, but before we are joined by... Chris McKinnon of McKinnon Outfitters. Uh, this segment is proudly brought to you by Dallas Safari Club, the worldwide leader in big game conservation. To get plugged in with our great group of like-minded folks passionate about hunting, conservation, education, and hunter advocacy, check us out at biggame.org. Uh, well, our next guest I actually met at last year's Dallas Safari Club convention as we were searching for the perfect 
uh, Black Bear Outfitter. Uh, we ended up going with Chris McKinnon of McKinnon Outfitters based out of Alberta, Canada. And uh, I do want to apologize, though. Uh, Chris is driving the back roads of, uh, of Alberta, checking bear baits right now. So the cell coverage uh, might be a little spotty. So just uh, bear with us on that front. But it is my pleasure to welcome Chris McKinnon to the program. You bet. No problem. Well, it's great to have you with us, Chris. And, um, you know, we're certainly looking forward to heading up to Alberta next week. It'll be my first time. Well, actually, that's not true. I did uh, step onto Canadian soil one time when I was canoeing in the boundary waters up there. But uh, this will be my first real visit to Canada. And we are certainly looking forward to it. Uh, talk a little bit about spring bear hunting with McKinnon Outfitters. Uh, what, you know, are the expectations and, and what separates you guys uh, from the other outfitters out there? Uh, we've been doing it quite a while. I think we got it figured out. Uh, we do own all the tags in our area, so our hunting area is a little over a million acres, and uh, we run all the hunters on it, and we're able to spread our baits out and manage it for quite an opportunity for the hunter that comes with us. So. Right on, right on. Well, yeah, and Chris, a lot of people seem to get hung up on the fact that you know, hunters hunt bears over bait in a lot of cases, which is what we'll be doing. Uh, to me, it's no different than hunting white-tailed deer over a corn feeder down here in Texas or taking a step further. You know, you're hunting a big buck in Iowa. You're still probably hunting a soybean field or a corn field. So you're always hunting a food source no matter how you go about it. But when it comes down to it, uh, hunting bears over bait is actually a, a very sound practice and a good management tool. Well, provides a better opportunity it also gives the hunter an opportunity to size the bear up sex the bear uh you look at concessions that are hunted over bait and uh boar harvest is way higher than the sow harvest which actually on a bear population is your population will actually go up because the biggest predator to a bear is a bear you know big boars kill sow cubs uh-huh. and so by being able to watch the bears for a while out of bait, you get the opportunity to really size it up and sort them out instead of just seeing a bear out there a few hundred yards feeding. So it, it's bait is a good thing, and exactly it's no different than hunting over a corn feeder in Texas or, you know, you bait whitetails in Saskatchewan and they food plot all over the Midwest for their whitetails. So it's no different. Right. Well, hey, talk a little bit about what these bears are doing as far as, you know, what part of their life cycle is going on right now in the spring. I, I imagine most of them are just coming out of hibernation. Right. It depends on the spring a little bit, but not too much. It's kind of like a, a rabbit turning white in the winter or brown in the summer. They just do it. It's when it's time, it's time. They get up. They know it. They've been out for a few weeks now, some possibly for a month. Um, we've been baiting bears since mid-April getting ready for you guys we main run and maintain around 80 to 100 bear baits and uh they're just getting going um they do bait fairly well in the spring trying to put some weight on they've lost up to a third of their body weight over the hibernation period and it takes a little bit for them to get their digestive system going but they figure it out pretty quick and they're on it um the sows that were bred went into hibernation pregnant and had the cubs in hibernation. They come out with fresh cubs, little guys, little five pounders. 
and uh, she'll carry them all summer and carry them through hibernation again and then come up with them the following year and they'll be you know 65 75 pounds and then get bred again the next year so they only breed once every other year and so is this the peak of their breeding season right now uh they breed in uh, early june so we're just you might start to see signs of that you know when you by the time you guys get here the boars will be following the sows and yeah first week of june last week of may right there well that would certainly be cool if we got to see some of that action going on uh now chris as far as uh, your hunters um or most of your hunters bow hunters rifle hunters or some people mix in the muzzleloader uh whatever they're interested in it is a good hunt for all the above um archer equipment not long shooting a bear is a tough animal though you gotta you gotta make a well-placed shot and uh once you double lung them they're fine you can't get away with a little bit of a off shot like you can with a whitetail bow's deadly you just gotta hit them right bear's tough animal pound for pound yeah and i've heard that uh if you do make a marginal shot you're probably not going to find a bear uh, because they will just run and run and run and not bed down, uh, you know, like like a whitetail or mule deer. Yeah, there's several reasons that make bear a little more different than, say, deer or moose. They have fur, lots of thick under fur, so when you do make it, you know, your exit wound needs to bleed well, but that fur will soak up a lot of blood. They're They're fatty. So the fat will plug the wound pretty good. And yes, they do run and they're just extra tough. So they'll go and go and, you know, they'll recover from some pretty substantial hits, but they also will die, you know, a week later. And that's pretty well impossible. Bear is a very difficult animal to track. You know, padded feet running through the bush doesn't leave much of a mark. Well, Chris, what would you say is the biggest mistake that novice bear hunters like myself, I mean, obviously I've never bear hunted a day in my life, or uh, maybe one of our listeners out there, what advice would you give someone who's chasing bear for the first time this spring? Uh, patience. Sizing bears is difficult. It's very difficult. It'd be like you guys from Texas, you know, and me coming from Canada looking at your guys' wild pigs or hogs or whatever they're called. You know, and you guys talk, oh, it's a 100-pounder, 200-pounder, you know. So I don't know, a pig's a pig to me. They, It looks the same. So the same thing as a bear. They're very difficult to judge. You know, it's not like a, a white-tailed buck standing there. He's got four four points on his left antler and five points on his right. He's out to his ears. And, you know, it's pretty easy even for a novice guy to figure that out. But to look at a, a bear and size it up, it's, it's tough to say. Like I said, it's like having 10 people stand there in a room. Who's the biggest guy? The guy who's six foot six and weighs 180 pounds or the guy who's five foot 10 and weighs 280 pounds? Well, you could argue both ways. Right. And bears are built the same way as people. So that's the biggest thing. Judging them is very difficult. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about the vital area on a bear. And, and I have been practicing on a 3D target with my bow, uh, but... As far as comparing it to cervids, you know, hooved animals, deer, moose, elk, whatever, um, is it a larger vital area or uh, or smaller? Uh, it's, you know, pretty solid shoulders and shoulder blades. So with arrows, you got to be careful. 
you know, getting into that. And then the vitals are slightly bit further back than, a, say, a deer and slightly bit lower. So um, you just got to, there's kind of a pretty obvious crease on the side of them where their front leg comes up. You want to get back in behind that, but not too far back. Some people take it to extreme, but you want to tuck it up nice and tight right in that crease. You want to think about your exit shot because you do need to double lung them. You catch the bottom of one lung and exit out mid-chest. That doesn't work on a bear. So double double lung, clean pass through. They're laying there 50 yards. They don't even know what happened. You catch one lung, you know, fancy quartering away. It'll work once in a while, but more often than not, it's probably a goner. So yeah. a bear gets more than about 200 yards from a bear bait. Your, your odds of finding them really start dropping fast well chris i know that i have two bear tags with you so uh, talk about the success rate of your spring bear hunters that's fairly high you know we uh you know we had seven hunters last week and we got 10 bears and you know we did wound one opportunity was there for every hunter saw bears it's just a matter of getting a bear that trips your trigger we had one guy been with us a few times He's hunted bears all his life, and all he's looking for is extra, extra special bear. And he saw him, but he had his bow and couldn't get the shot. Bear didn't give him the shot, wouldn't come in. Everyone else shot at least one bear, and several shot two. And we did shoot a wolf, too. Oh, wow, really? Oh, that is awesome. Yeah, one wolf, and we had another guy miss a wolf. And the wolves don't come to the baits. They're just passing through, right? They just pass through. They don't come into the bases. The opportunity is there. It's not a great opportunity. I don't like to mislead anyone and make them think they're going to come up here and shoot a wolf. But it is a nice bonus on a bear hunt. Oh, no doubt. I mean, if you could tell me I could choose one or the other, I'd probably take the wolf. But uh, that's just me. Uh, Chris, thank you so much for your time today. I do want to encourage everybody to uh, check out the Dallas Safari Club convention next year. I mean, that's where I got hooked up with Chris. He came highly recommended uh, from a friend, uh, Tim McCreary, actually, who had hunted with McKinnon Outfitters. And so uh, just visiting with Chris, and, and, you know, you can visit with all of the outfitters out at, uh, out at the DSC show every January, and it, it truly is a, an awesome place to, to book those uh, once-in-a-lifetime hunts. Uh, Chris, we look forward to seeing you next week, man. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, folks can find you at huntmco.com. You also do Alberta whitetail hunting, doll sheep, mountain goat, moose, and uh, wolf trap line or wolf hunting even uh, in the winter as well. So you've got it all. Yeah, you got her. Well, we will see you soon, my friend. Sounds good. We'll be here and we'll be ready. Thanks, Chris. All right, Caleb. All right. There he goes. Chris McKinnon, owner of McKinnon Outfitters out of Alberta, Canada. We are, uh, well, to say that I'm stoked about our first black bear hunt would be a gross understatement. Uh, that segment of the show, by the way, proudly brought to you by STI Guns. Texas made and Texas owned STI has a full lineup of 1911 and 2011 style pistols in all manner of calibers. Check them out at STIGuns.com. And if you're in the market for a new handgun, go Texan, go STI. Uh, let's knock out a quick break. When we come back, a special in studio treat. We'll be joined by renowned gun dog artist and passionate bird hunter Van Johnson. You're listening to DSC's Lone Star Outdoor Show. Trying to make some time. There's a storm in my rear view and 
Cable Smith here for Horizon Firearms. Horizons is a precision rifle manufacturer in College Station, Texas. They'll build your hunting rifle to your unique specifications and guarantee it to shoot one half MOA. Horizon Firearms takes pride in shorter build times and carry an inventory of custom rifles for that last minute hunt. Made in Texas, Horizon Firearms understands the quality you deserve and a rifle you can pass down for generations to come. Check out horizonfirearms.com or call 979-777-8795 and mention Cable sent you to get $100 off your next customer. Custom rifle build. Hi, Brett Jepson here with Three Curl Lease Connection. I'd like to invite you to come enjoy some of Texas' best dove hunting just minutes outside of Dallas. We have many private dove leases available for this upcoming season, including milo, wheat, sunflower, and cornfields. Leases come in different sizes and prices, so we can fit anyone's budget. We have the lease that's perfect for you and your group. We don't overcrowd multiple groups into one property, and you'll have the first pick at renewing your lease for years to come. Please visit us at threecurl.com and click on leases for your property listings. That's T-H-R-E-E-C-U-R-L.com. Hey y'all, Chris Letzinger, online sales manager at Cinnamon Creek Ranch here, reminding you we're not your typical archery club. We're a one-of-a-kind archery facility with indoor and outdoor ranges, full pro shop, and six different 3D courses. Cinnamon Creek was designed by hunters for hunters. Located in Roanoke, Texas, we have over 200 3D targets to hone your archery skills. Call 817-439-8998 or visit us at cinnamoncreekranch.com to visit our new online store. That's cinnamoncreekranch.com. If you're in the market for a compact track loader, then check out the Bobcat Advantage, where Bobcat track loaders squared off against other brands in a variety of tests and challenges. Whether you're looking for performance advantages, uptime protection, or quality design, Bobcat compact track loaders are the best built machines in the industry. But don't take our word for it. Watch the videos at BobcatAdvantage.com or see Bobcat machines in person at Bobcat of Dallas, Louisville, Bobcat of Fort Worth, and Bobcat of Longview. Visit BobcatofDallas.com or call 469-586-0000 today. At LSC Trailer Sales, we offer a full line of utility trailers from small single axle trailers to heavy equipment trailers, ATV trailers, car haulers, landscape trailers, cargo trailers, truck beds, and more. We can special order a custom trailer specific to your needs and have the ability to customize standard models in-house. LSC Trailer Sales is here to assist you with any questions you might have about trailers. Call 940-484-5500 or visit us at lsctrailersales.com. Finally, quality trailers at affordable prices in Dallas-Fort Worth. One last time, let your aim be true on the other side, boy. I'll be waiting for you. Where the dove flies steady and the ducks come down like a painter's vision from the cold gray clouds. The seasons will never close when we get up there. One of my all-time favorites there from our good duck hunting buddy, Justin Bowerman, boy and his dog. If you haven't heard that tune before, I suggest that you check it out. It's a real tearjerker. Uh, but anyway, I'm Cable Smith, and you are tuned in to Dallas Safari Club's Lone Star Outdoor Show presented by Lone Star Beer and Hoff Power Polaris. Uh, we are actually set to talk some gun dogs here momentarily with our good friend and uh, passionate Bird hunter and outdoor artist Van Johnson. But first, this segment of the show is proudly brought to you by Hercules Hunting Blinds. And Hercules is Texas owned and they're manufactured right there in Terrell. Uh, they are owned by the same folks who brought you a ghost powder deer attractant. And we just put one of these bad boys on our lease. I call it the Taj Mahal. It's so roomy, there's enough space for three people. 
Uh, they've got bow and rifle windows, so uh, whatever your cup of tea is, they've got you covered. Check them out at HerculesHuntingBlinds.com. Well, let's go ahead now and introduce our next guest joining us now live in studio. Uh, we are thrilled to have Ducks Unlimited sponsor artist of the year for the state of Texas for 2014-2015 and avid bird hunter Van Johnson. Thanks for stopping by. Glad to be here. Certainly appreciate it. Um, first of all, why don't we get to know you a little bit? So tell us uh, about yourself as far as, uh, you know, how long you've been bird hunting and uh, what breeds of dogs you've had and, and all that good stuff. Well, I'm 67 years old and I've been bird hunting all my life. I grew up on a farm in north central Texas in Throckmorton. And uh, we lived in Albert, but we went to school at Throckmorton and we hunted that whole area. And, and today I had no idea how good we had it back then because we could really hunt anywhere we wanted to. A lot of people said, you know, and that's different from today. There was lots of quail back then. We've had bird dogs as long as I could remember. And so what kind of, uh, what kind of quail dogs did you guys have? Well, we had the English setters mm-hmm. most of the time. And uh, let's see, uh, we had a Weimaraner. Um uh, and that did okay as an upland dog? Oh, yeah. yeah. I hear they're pretty good, versatile. Good hunting dog. And uh, had Brittany. Hmm. Uh, but mainly we had the two, we had setters. He had two setters. They both hunted till they were uh, 16 years old. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. And so do you still uh, raise dogs anymore? Well, as a matter of fact, uh, my last dog was major, and he's still around. Uh-huh. But uh, the reason I don't have major anywhere is because I don't have anywhere to hunt. <laughs> <laughs> so my, my brother works on a ranch outside of uh, uh, Glenrose and manages the ranch, and we used to hunt there all the time. Get paid to take my dog out there, and he was very, he's a very good dog, mm-hmm. major, and English setter. And, uh, but I had to give him up because he was just spending too much time in my pen behind the house. So now he's hunting with his two sisters. The two sisters that he was, they were all in the same litter and he's still hunting and hmm. doing really good. Awesome. Yeah. That's one thing, uh, you know, being in my early thirties, I know I, I missed the heyday of, of Texas quail hunting and it's kind of, uh, only through folks like yourself that we get to experience that because it's, uh, the quail isn't doing very well in general no. and it really, it's supply and demand. So it used to be everybody could do it. Now there's so few places that have sustainable quail populations that it's become pretty expensive mm-hmm. sport so yes that's kind of priced a lot of folks out um well you had a very special dog at one point that you wanted to have a painting commissioned of and that didn't turn out the way you thought it uh, would yes my dog luke who i hunted for years he was a really good dog and uh and i got to where i i, I just decided i'd really like to have a painting of him and so we were on vacation somewhere and uh, I saw a lady that had done some paintings of dogs, and they were they were they were good. And so I had um, commission done of him. And but, but when I got the painting, I it just didn't look like him. Mm-hmm. And so I just never really did hang it on the wall. And so uh, I sort of grabbed about that. And my wife got <laughs> on me and says, "Well, why don't you learn to do it yourself?" So I looked around, and I was in, I was in uh, art. I've taught junior high choir all my life, and that's got my got my bachelor's in choir, 
and, uh, and I got my bachelor's in, in band and my master's in voice and choir. So I've, I'm a junior high choir director. That's what I've done for the last 30 years. I'm retired now. I retired in 2003. Anyway, I was in Arlington, and, uh, and I was trying to find somewhere to take lessons. And uh, everyone I would go into, they would say, paint, you got to paint this right here. Everybody's doing the same painting at the same time. And it wasn't of anything I wanted to paint. So... Uh, here's how it, here's how it happened, and it was lucky to happen this way. My brother had a my my brother's wife had a painting done of his dog, and it was an excellent painting. And so I asked, you know, who did it, and she told me who did it, and I and then I asked, does the lady take lessons? And so I talked to that lady. She said, yes, I do, and I take from Doug Prine, a Western art specialist. He lives right outside of Glen Rose. And he has a western town behind his house, and a lot of people go there twice a year and take photos of Indians and cowboys and everything from all over the United States. Anyway, I took I took from him, and uh, I owe a lot to him because he was an excellent teacher, and I took lessons from him for about seven or eight years, and then I just went off on my own. Mm-hmm. And I've, and I've painted since 1995, so yeah. I've been painting. 20 years, years now. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So that's what sparked you to pick up the paintbrush and canvas. Originally, it was just uh, someone did a painting that didn't live up to your expectations. That's true. That's true. <laughs> you know, I have a, uh, I've got a green wing teal that I had a taxidermist do that he's not on the wall anywhere either. He's tucked away in a glass case that's the bottom shelf. No one can see him. I got to shoot another one because of that. <laughs> just like you had to paint your own dog. I know what it's like to get a painting that doesn't look like your dog. Mm-hmm. And so I'm a, I'm a detailed painter. And so... I would not give a painting to you if the dog did not look like your dog and that you didn't and you 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 and you will okay it before I give it to you. Mm-hmm. Also, and something most people won't do, but I also will not I will not take any money for a painting if they don't like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've never had I've never been turned down. I'll be honest on that, but if somebody did not like the painting, I wouldn't take any money for it. Well, Van, looking back on these last 20 years, uh, about how many paintings of bird dogs or duck dogs would you say you've painted? Oh, I'm going to guess 100, 150, but I've, but I've not just dogs. I've painted dogs, cats, horses, and every now and then people in the paintings, but uh, mm-hmm. the Western paintings. But I mainly love to do commissions of people's dogs. Awesome. And, and, and I've done a lot of uh, paintings for Ducks Unlimited yeah. guys. And that's how we got hooked up. was uh, 2010, I was at the, and this was before I was on the committee, but I was at the, uh, the Dallas Ducks Unlimited banquet, and I ended up, well, you could say I won, but really what that amounted to was I had to write a nice check to win my bird dog, <laughs> my gun dog that I bought. But anyway... Uh, that sweet little chocolate lab puppy came home with us, and part of that package was a Van Johnson original painting. And, uh, you know, sometimes you get things thrown in with that, like a month of training or something, and you just, yeah, it's nice, but you'd never take advantage of it. And so I always thought, oh, yeah, I need to get that painting done, and then it, something would come up and I'd forget about it. So I ran into you this past year, to, well, I guess it was 2014, this past November at our banquet, and I said, Fan, you know, I've got this dog, and it's been, well, it's been four and a half years now, and I don't know if he'll even do it anymore. But and you said no, just you know, no problem. 
So, you know, a couple months uh, later, I, I ended up, we ended up getting everything sorted out and I got you a, a picture that I thought was just perfect of Bell with a, a pintail. And uh, needless to say, that's why we're here today is because of your involvement with Ducks Unlimited. And uh, and the painting, it just when you gave it to me, I was just speechless. I was like, gosh, the attention to detail, unbelievable. It looks just like the photos. Compare them side by side and they look pretty much the same. My wife was amazed too. And none of that would happen though if you hadn't got gotten involved with Ducks Unlimited. So talk about how that came about. Well... It was a, I've been, I don't know exactly how many years I've been with the Ducks Unlimited, but probably, probably the last nine or 10 years, uh, mm-hmm. when I got started and, and I just, I think I'm, I'm trying to remember how I did. I think <laughs> I just called somebody in Ducks Unlimited. I wanted to get my paintings out there. And so I asked them about me coming and set up a booth and, uh, showing my dogs and they let me do that. And, uh, they, they liked my dogs and, and they just, from then on, they just asked me, would I be interested in setting up my paintings and donating a painting every year to Ducks Unlimited? And uh, I said, that would sounds great to me. And so that's what I've done every year since then. Well, through your involvement with Ducks Unlimited, you know, that's how we got hooked up. And you're also the 2014-2015 DU Texas Sponsor Artist of the Year, which is a, a pretty high accolade Yes, I was lucky enough to do that. They, what they do is they, uh, one, of the, one of the directors in Ducks Unlimited came around you know, a couple of years ago to the show in Dallas, and he, he liked my paintings. And, uh, and so he asked me what they do is they, they select people they want to ask to turn in paintings for Artist of the Year and sponsor, and, and, and sponsor Artist of the Year. And so uh, I, did it, I did it one time. And the first time I did it, I came in third. And they take the top two hmm. for artist of the year and sponsor artist of the year. So the next year they asked me to turn it to do it again. And so I turned in another painting and was and was the selected as the sponsor artist of the year for fourteen fifteen. Awesome. Awesome. Yes, that, was, that was neat. Quite yeah. an accomplishment. And the thing that amazes me is uh like we said, you had a career a whole nother career, a whole nother life. And got into painting 20 years ago, just, uh, you know, more as I'd say a hobby and realized you were good at it. And here we are. Uh, Like I said, the the painting of Bell, just absolutely phenomenal. People can look at look at the photo of that painting on our website. If folks want to see the quality of your work, they can just go to uh, VanJohnsonFineArt.com. Please please go to my website and everything I guess you need to know about doing a commission is on there. Uh There's There's a place on there. Where you can go to and we talk about you know the photos and how much it is and and just what you need to do right and uh on on my website there's there's hunting dogs western and then wildlife and then previous commissions uh-huh. and so mainly you probably want to see on the previous commissions of you know the commissions i've done over the years and a lot of those are ducks unlimited and i've done i've done multiple paintings for some ducks unlimited people uh-huh. And uh, and so that that's a great place to go look and to see, and it can also help give you ideas if if you have a if you have a photo of your dog, but it's it's not out where you want it to be. In it. Well, the the photos can give you an idea maybe of what to do with your dog, you know, in the in the in the picture in the field in the field. Uh-huh. And uh, but but I I paint 
I paint exactly from your photo. I really, uh, I've had a couple of people say, can you move this leg this way? And, <laughs> and I don't really like to do that. I, I like to, I'm, I like to paint exactly what I see on there. Now I can add things in the background. I can put, I can put your dog from one place into another setting. If you would like the, the secret to that is if you want to take a photo of a particular setting and put it with your dog, make sure the sun is in the same direction in both photos. Uh-huh. Don't, don't take it from one direction of the sun and then take the, the background in another one. That, then I've got to do a lot of guessing again. <laughs> so, but a lot of people have done that, and they, the, I can put a dog in a different setting. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, talk about you know as far as the price range because you could get in for you know it's not going to break the bank, and then mm-hmm. up to a little bit more expensive. Well, it, it, first I'll say how long it takes me to do one, mm-hmm. and, and usually a painting will take me at least a month if it's if it's a large painting and involved, it's going to be two months, and. Uh, and then so the prices, they go anywhere from uh, uh, 14 by 18, I think is around $400. Uh, and then on up to, if you were to do a 24 by 30, uh, I think that's around $1,100. Uh, and so I think that's reasonable. And uh, most people have, they they haven't had a problem with that. And to be honest, I think most people that I've done paintings for I've been pleased with the painting when they get it. And I tell you what, when that happens, there's no better feeling to do a painting for somebody. And they really like it because you know that painting's going to be on their wall for the rest of their life. Mm-hmm. And that's cool. That's neat. And we're and when we're talking about whether it's a bird dog or someone's favorite horse or whatever, this is family, really. And that's why people want to put it on their wall. And there, right. and there is... Uh, I'd say before I got into this uh, industry, this business, I didn't realize there was such a demand for um, wildlife art. And, and there really is. Uh, and like I said, I, my jaw dropped when you handed me my painting. Couldn't have been happier. Uh, you, sent, you sent me some emails as, the, as you were working on it. So I could, you know, not that I asked to, but just you wanted me to know how it was progressing, which was cool. Um, why, don't you, uh, why don't we wrap things up here, though, today? Because we are almost out of time by uh, you giving us, um, and like we said, because our bird dogs mean so much to us, I'm sure there's been something in uh, 40, 50 years of chasing quail that one of your dogs did that stuck with you that you'll say, God, I cannot believe how smart that dog was, or <laughs> you won't believe what how st- my dog did with this porcupine or what, yeah. you know, whatever. But and In my case, it was how determined the dog was. Uh-huh. Uh, we were hurt, hunting in Throckmorton County, right outside of Elbert. And uh, I don't know, I'm probably... 2021 at that time while we were hunting and, and Lisa, our bird dog, we were hunting with her and uh, shot a quail and we were creek hunting at the time and the creeks were deep and high there and uh, the quail fell between the trunk of the tree and the creek going straight up and so it was hard to be to climb up to get the quail. Well, here comes Lisa. She comes up, to, she goes to the top of the creek of the uh, and looks down, and she knows where the quail is. So she slides down by that tree trunk and tries to snatch the quail. She can see it. She misses it. She gets up. She goes all the way around to where she can go back up the top of the creek, and she did again. Second time, she missed it. 
<laughs> Third time, she did it again. She slid by that quail. She snatched the quail and slid on down with that quail in her mouth. <laughs> and I will never forget that. That's, huh. You know, it probably doesn't sound like a lot, but boy, you watched that. And that was that was really neat when she did that. Yeah. That was the one determined bird dog to get that quail. And that's, I mean, that's forty five years ago, oh, and yeah. it stuck with you. <laughs> yeah. So we're not dating you or anything, but uh, man, that's that's pretty cool. Um, well, hey, I do want to encourage people to visit your website. It's fanjohnsonfineart.com. I appreciate you coming by the studio today. Um, like I said. Uh, the painting far exceeded my expectations and uh i appreciate all that you do for ducks unlimited and your uh your constant willingness to to donate your time and resources to the dallas chapter and congratulations on being the uh 2014-15 sponsor artist of the year for the state of texas thank you very much i enjoyed doing this thank you all right there he goes the great van johnson <laughs> and uh it's always nice for me just reminiscing with the old timers not that fans that old uh, but folks who saw the heyday of quail hunting, it uh, it really was a cool time and place. And uh, one that I'm sad that I missed, to, to be honest with you. Uh, but man, uh, looking at the clock here, we are out of time. Gotta go. Thanks to Van, as well as our other guests today, uh, Elite Series and Major League Fishing Pro Aaron Martins. Also Chris McKinnon from McKinnon Outfitters. Looking forward to bear hunting with him in Alberta uh, next week. And then also Dave Carter from the NWTF, National Wild Turkey Federation. We appreciate all of their contributions. Thanks to all of our sponsors for making this show possible. Uh, we wouldn't be here without their support. Thanks to you, the listener, for being a part of Dallas Safari Club's Lone Star Outdoors show. Until next time, I'm Cable Smith saying, y'all have a great week in the outdoors. The blue light lounge is shining Way out on the field It looks just like stars Howdy folks, I'm Lee Hoffbear for Hoffbear's Outdoor Superstore in Gulfway, Texas. I hope you're enjoying the Lone Star Outdoor Show. We've been a title sponsor for a number of years now, and we're proud to be a part of it. I'd also like to thank you for making Hoffbear's once again the number one Polaris dealer in Texas. Please keep buying your Polaris products from us. Send us your friends, your neighbors, all your hunting buddies, and I promise we'll keep giving the best deals on a brand new Polaris in all of Texas. Whether you're looking for a Polaris for work or play, whether you need a regular Ranger or maybe a Ranger Crew, an RZR, they've got an all-new Ace that you need to come test drive. We've also got four-wheelers from a youth model all the way up to the all-new Sportsman 1000. For your Polaris headquarters, Hoff Powers Outdoor Superstore in Gulfway, Texas is who you need to see all or get on the web and contact today. You can check us out at hpolaris.com. That's H's in Hoff Power, polaris.com. Or you can come see us at Highway 84 West in Gulfway, Texas. And folks, Hoff Powers has been in Central Texas for over 50 years now, and we couldn't have stuck around this long if we were steering you wrong. Do you have a hog problem at your ranch or deer lease? We have the solution. The System Hog Trap comes in two sizes, 17-foot and 30-foot diameter traps. After you trap the hogs, take the top section off the trap and use it for another feeder site to keep the hogs away from the feeder. The System is both a trap and a deer food plot fence. That way you don't waste your money on just a hog trap. Call 940-391-3669 or visit www.goinfencing.com. That's goinfencing.com. 
Hi, Brett Jepson here with Three Curl Lease Connection. I'd like to invite you to come enjoy some of Texas' best dove hunting just minutes outside of Dallas. We have many private dove leases available for this upcoming season, including milo, wheat, sunflower, and cornfields. Leases come in different sizes and prices, so we can fit anyone's budget. We have the lease that's perfect for you and your group. We don't overcrowd multiple groups into one property, and you'll have the first pick at renewing your lease for years to come. Please visit us at threecurl.com and click on leases for your property listings. That's T-H-R-E-E-C-U-R-L.com.